Hey everybody, welcome back to the Nothing Owed Podcast. As always, we're back with another awesome episode. I know you guys are going to dig this one. We have Mr. Mitch Massey. Mitch is an awesome guy. We, we talked to him for quite a while. He has some great stories and it definitely took uh, a few unexpected turns. So please uh, stay tuned to the end because he really has some great stories. He's, he's a lot of fun to talk to. And really, I think we, we talked about some, some important stuff that really applies to anybody. So again, another good show, another awesome guest. I know you're going to dig it. But real quick before we get into the show, always have to talk about our sponsors that keep us on the air. And obviously, Season 3 again is sponsored by Modus Nation, so please check out ModusNation.com. Always coming out with new stuff. Uh, last time I checked, they were running a special on some of their, their winter hats, so please check them out. Uh, get those before they're, they're not on sale anymore. Uh, they're also generous enough to give a promo code to our listeners, so you can use nothing owed. Or excuse me, you can use nothing owed and get a special discount on the website, so please check them out. Always coming out with new designs, awesome shirts, awesome clothing. It's just really awesome gear all around. You can't go wrong. You're supporting a small business, you're supporting a, a veteran-owned business, and again, you know, a business that gives back to charity in the community and really around the country. And they really try to focus on a lot of veteran and first responder charities, so we, we really appreciate that here. Uh, also, talk about Winfield Watch. Mark Miller's a great guy, another veteran. And again, he has some new designs out, some new automatic models, uh, watches, in case you're, you're not familiar, I started with a, a field watch, which is how I linked up with them. I have uh, one of their watches, and I'm, I'm actually tempted to buy another one because I I really like their designs. Very reasonably priced, very durable, and you're getting it from a small veteran-owned business here in the United States. So please uh, check out Winfield Watch. And last but not least, today we're going to talk about uh, Cranky Veteran Candle. I know we talk about them a lot, but I, I really believe in what they do. They make some good stuff. Um, all their candles use natural materials. So when you're you're burning a cranky veteran candle, you're not releasing a bunch of, of toxins into the air in your home. So please, please check out Cranky Veteran Candle and please give them your business. I know they, they really appreciate it. So with all of the advertisements out of the way, now it's time to get into the show. I know you guys are going to dig this one. So here we go. Hope you guys enjoy. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Nothing Owed Podcast. As always, you're back with Ben and Brian. And we have, a, we have another awesome guest for you. We have Mitch Massey from the Dodo Brotherhood. I'm yeah, Dodo Brotherhood. Dads of daughters only. I'm sorry if I screwed that up, but uh, you probably have seen his Instagram. He's got an awesome page. I'm really excited to talk to him. We've been chatting for a few minutes here, but Mitch is a, a really neat guy. He's an entrepreneur, uh, has some really interesting stories, uh, very like-minded to the nothing owed audience. So I know we're going to enjoy talking to him. I know you're going to enjoy this episode. So before I turn it over to Mitch, always got to say hi to Ben, check in with him and uh, see what's going on. So Ben, hi, Ben, what's new? Ah, uh, man, it's good to be here. Um, been trying to get Mitch on the show for a minute. Uh, he, he, uh, he, he's a fun guy to follow. Very, like you said, like-minded, um, has a, a great outlook on life, um, you know, and just, you know, I think we'll get into it a little bit, but he, you know, his experiences in life have, have taught him to live rather than, you know, live to the fullest rather than have regrets and, um, has a beautiful family. Um, and he's, he's an all around great guy. We met him a few months ago, or I guess it's been a couple of years now, not a few months, but, uh, he, he was one of the first tribe members of the Maudus tribe. So we really appreciate Mitch and his family. Um, he's a huge veteran supporter, uh, you know, all around like-minded. So it's, uh, this will be a, a fun one. He's got some great stories. I'm looking forward to, to getting some details. So, and probably the most important thing is he does come from a Marine family. 
You know, I had oh, chat and his dad is a Marine. Oh my dad served, God. Dad flew CH, his dad flew CH-46s in Vietnam. So, you know, as we, as we all know on the show, oh, our Marine God. guests and our families of Marines. Well, uh, I appreciate, you know, well, I appreciate Mitch's dad. So <laughs> Mitch's dad, if you're out there listening, wherever you're at, I appreciate your service. Vietnam was one hell of a war, but I just threw up a little bit in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, we'll just we'll just edit that part out. We're yeah. we're going to leave it at Marines are the best, and Marines make the best guests, and their family makes the best guests. End of story. Uh, no question. Let's move on. Hurrah! <laughs> Semper Fi. <laughs> All right. Well, that being said, Mitch, I had I had to tease Ben a little bit because it's been a, a running did joke your, on the show. Did your wife bake bake your crayons to chew on while we're doing the show? Or oh boy, you can have with your alls or uh, oh. yeah. no, she, she crayons in the house. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, Mitch. I want to turn it over to you before we uh, get too carried away with uh, the Marine jokes. So, Mitch, I'm going to turn it over to you. If you don't mind, just kind of give us a, a brief background. Tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of where you came from, um, you know, kind of what you're up to now, and, and uh, just, just fill us in on all the details. So, Mitch, it's all yours. Yeah, so uh, I'm uh, 51 years old. I've uh, been married for 20, see, it'll be 28 years this year here to my high school sweetheart and uh, I've got three three daughters uh, my oldest is 24 uh, middle one's 22 and uh, the youngest is 16 she's still in high school and uh, got one that actually the oldest one now is actually a, a, a professional she's actually employed so that's a, that's a good thing uh, got her <laughs> off the books um, but uh and my middle one is she's about to uh, graduate from from college and is wanting to go to law school. So uh, that should be interesting. That's awesome. Uh, That's very cool. Yeah. Where's she go? Where does she yeah. go to school? If you don't mind me. Uh, Oklahoma State. Oh, nice. What are, what are yeah. those? What, what's a Oklahoma? Uh, Cowboys. Oh, Cowboys. Cowboys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okies. Close enough. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, married, uh, been basically self-employed off and on most of my life, uh, been in the construction, oil field business. Um, let's see what else about me. Uh, I like long walks on the beach. Um, <laughs> there's a, there's not a whole lot here. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just, uh, I, I, uh, I just really try to be as positive as I can because of some of the issues that I've, I've had in the past uh, as far as living life. Um, I've always encouraged my kids to, you know, take that risk and, and do what you can and, and try to enjoy life and have fun. And, and that's kind of kind of what we're about. So. Uh, yeah, very cool. So I know you started, you shared with us a story um, from, from your high school or end of high school days that really kind of molded you to where you're at, right? Um, mm-hmm. With the car accident, you want to talk about yeah. that a little bit? Yeah. So uh, a couple of weeks before I graduated from high school, uh, I caused a car accident. I was driving and, uh, and wound up hitting another car, just a complete freak accident. And the other person in the car died. And uh, that uh, kind of sent me, uh, basically took away all my hopes and dreams and plans that I had uh, just from dealing with the guilt and shame and uh, battled depression for, 
I probably still to this day battle a little bit of depression. Um, but uh, for a good solid, you know, two, three years, I was, I was just going through the motions. Um, and it's kind of funny because, you know, like, like we talked about my dad being a pilot in the Marine Corps, that was really the thing I, I decided, I think it was my junior year in college. It kind of, kind of woke me up. I had to kind of decide, okay, we're either going to get busy kind of like, uh, Oh, what's the Shawshank redemption. When, uh, one guy says to the other one, uh, get busy living or get busy dying something to yep. that effect. Yep. And uh, that's kind of what I had to do. And, um, I kind of focused in on, on what he had, uh, done in the Marine Corps as a pilot and, and we could get into his whole story because he's a, he's a very decorated aviator, Marine aviator and, um, distinguished flying cross, all that kind of stuff. But, oh, wow. uh, but that, you know, as a, as a, you know, 19, 20 year old kid, you, you know, you start finding out all this stuff that your dad did. That's really badass, <laughs> And it, it makes you, you know, think, Hey, maybe I can go do that. And, uh, anyway, so that, that kind of got me focused. Uh, it helped me get through college because I had to get a college degree to be able to go get a commission and get into flight school and do that kind of stuff. Um, uh, but later that that's a whole nother story that didn't work out, but, uh, but it got me, uh, out of college and, and on my way down the road. So did you uh, struggle? Did you struggle in college? I mean, clearly. Oh, definitely. oh absolutely. With, with the depression uh, yeah. from that. So, so let's let the, so the audience knows the, the accident was a complete accident, pure accident. Um, yeah. no drugs or alcohol or anything silly like that, but for an 18 year old, you know, I can't even imagine, well, it doesn't matter the age, right? But for an 18 year old who isn't fully developed brain yet, doesn't have, you know, emotionally, I, I would say that most 18 year old dudes are pretty emotionally dumb. Uh, yeah. I was, you know, yeah. I know Brian still is, but, uh, <laughs> Hey, I got hit in the head a lot. So I had an excuse. <laughs> yeah. But I, I can't imagine trying to go and start my life and know, um, I mean, you said something to us earlier about, you know, feeling the guilt for this person wasn't able to go live their life to the fullest. And so why should you, right? So, I mean, I can't even imagine that, man. Like, I, I mean, hearing that story, and you've got a bunch of cool stories we're going to get into, but hearing that story just kind of shocks, shakes me, not shocks me, but shakes me to my core that. I just can't imagine the pain and the guilt for that. And then being sent off to school where you're alone. Um, and when I say alone, uh, you know, without your family, without your core support group, and you're supposed to become a man, you know, that, that had to have been tough. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, I can, I can remember, uh, you know, going to play basketball with some, some guys and, you know, doing it, playing basketball, doing whatever that we were doing. And then it would hit me, you know, the thought they're remembering it. And all of a sudden I didn't want to play anymore. I would just quit and walk away. Yeah. And uh, so, wow. yeah, it's, it's, uh, cause you know, I, I, I couldn't, it, it is so weird because I look back on it now and I can recognize all those things. Um, but at the time, you know, I just knew I didn't want to have any fun. And, you know, it was just, it was, it was guilt, you know, it was all that, that stuff that, uh, you know, I just didn't feel like I deserved it. So, 
and pretty yeah, natural. And that's a, that's a hundred percent natural feeling. Like, I, I yeah. don't think that's out of the ordinary. I think that's a hundred percent. Um, you know, I, I, I struggle with, um, but I clinically it's depression. I would, I, I struggle with it. Um, and it, there's different forms of it that hit me, but, um, as a grown up, as a, as a, you know, 40 plus year old adult, I've developed a mental system in which I cope. Right. So if I, I can, I can identify that it's coming on and then I, I have a process in which I walk myself through different scenarios and different things in a, inside my own mind to get me out of that funk. Um, when I was 18, uh, you know, I tried to take my own life when I was, I was 17 and luckily I survived. I've got five beautiful kids. I have a co-host that I love dearly of the podcast and all these great things that I've experienced. But at 18, 17, 18, I, I didn't have the ability to walk myself through those processes things that as you said you're you know a grown-up now and you can identify yeah i know it's a kill even though it's it's not uh necessary guilt it's but it's still guilt it's still there you're not your brains our brains are functioning proper your brain's functioning but if you didn't feel the guilt you'd be a psychopath uh yeah i mean that's a normal thing and you know i just it just is hitting me. I don't, I don't know why it's hitting me so hard. It's just, I, I can't even imagine what you went through and having to be, you know, move on with life. Like you have to, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and you, you told us, you know, you were dating your wife at your time, you know, your wife for our listeners, Mitch is like uh, Ben and Brian who have married, uh, you know, we, we've been married above our pay grade, you know, our, our wives and Mitch's wife is an amazing person. Um, so, you know, her sticking with you and helping you through that, I sh- it's just an amazing story. I just, it's, uh, it's hitting home with me. So I actually, I actually tried to break up with her twice and she wouldn't, <laughs> you know, if that tells you anything. So, uh, actually we did break up one time, uh, for about four hours. And, uh, <laughs> so and the listeners realized, know, the listeners know Mitch is an idiot. Yes, <laughs> oh, definitely. For sure. That's, that, that's never been in doubt. I am hundred percent, not the sharpest back in the box. So, oh, man. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we broke up for about four hours and, uh, and then I saw her somewhere and I said, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. So I went and said, Hey, you want to get back together? And, and here we are. So yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, stupid. So your dad's, but, oh. but that, but that also played into, I didn't deserve her. Yeah. Like legit. I'm serious. It was, it's so, it's so messed up, you know, looking back, thinking on all that stuff. And, and like, I can even see how I even did some, you know, self-sabotage, you know, you know, it just, cause I didn't deserve to be successful. You know, why, why, why should I deserve it? So anyway, but yeah. Can, it, it, uh, can I ask you, if, did you ever, did you ever recognize any of this when you were younger and did you ever try to get any assistance or did everyone was any any help ever offered to you to try to help you get over it when you were younger i never no i hit it very well uh, okay i never sought any help um i've never taken a drug for it um i may have drank a, a few times too much um but uh 
you know, never, never sought out medication or, or therapy or anything like that. Um, so yeah, no, I just, I just, uh, I don't know if you can even say toughed it out, but I just, I just got through it. So. Hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. Like, like, like Ben said, I, I have, I really, I feel sorry that you went through that. That's, I can't imagine, but I'm glad to hear that you've made a lot of progress. So that's, that's awesome. I'm glad to hear it because a lot of people unfortunately go the other way. So it's great that you've, yeah. In a that's, sense. that's the other thing too. Yeah. A lot of people have asked me, have you ever, did you ever think about committing suicide? And I'm no, I mean, I mean, not to the extent of, yeah, I'm going to go get a gun or whatever and shoot myself. No, I never thought about, I never, I never was, you know, you always think the thought of, well, everybody be better off without me, but I, I never took it anywhere else. You know right. what I mean? So, but uh, yeah, that's, I, I never, that's where my mind later. goes a lot is this, yeah, you know what? I just don't want to be here. You know, the everything around me is a mess and everybody would be better without me. And then I have to walk yeah. myself. Okay. Okay. Dummy, you know, you take your own life. First thing that happens is your wife has to call your kids and tell them, yeah. do you want that to happen? Well, no. Yeah. You know, second thing is, I mean, and I go all the way down to the, the, the monotonous things that my wife would have to do and my kids would have to do, you know, not just the, you know, my, my son will get married and I won't be there. I get into the, my wife's got to call all of our credit cards and tell them, you know, and work through that. Yep. She's got to call life insurance and she's got to change all the bank accounts. And like, I, I've, I literally in a mental state, take myself through each one of those scenarios as I back out of, well, no, it's important that I'm here, you know, kind of thing. So it's uh that's tough. So your so your dad's service record helped motivated you to get through college. Yep. Um where did you go from there? So graduated from college with a degree in construction, uh home building, and went and uh, after I got out of college, Emma and I got married and um we moved to uh, Dallas where I got my first job and uh, building houses and lived down there for uh, hi, Kat. How are you? <laughs> you know, the way. Um, so, uh, lived down there for about, uh, five years and that's where our oldest was born. She was born in Dallas. And, uh, anyway, um, yeah. So then we moved, uh, moved back at, well. And so here's the other funny part. I was, I'm, I've always been one of those that I always wanted to do something that was important. And, uh, you know, building houses didn't seem like it was really that important. And um, so I, I, I per, you know, pursued um, joining the Marine Corps. And long story short, a malfunctioning EKG machine uh, is why I never joined. <laughs> really? <laughs> yep. And the only reason I know that is because when I was uh, at the doctor's office, um, dealing with the gunshot wounds that I had after the fact. Um, this is, you know, four years ago almost, uh, that our family doctor was saying, didn't you want to join the military? I said, yeah, I sure did. Uh, I said, but uh, they told me I had a ventricular hypertrophy from an EKG machine when I went to go to my, uh, get my flight uh, physical. 
And uh, he, uh, he said, that's impossible. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, you can't get that from an EKG machine. He said, if you got a ventricular hypertrophy from an EKG machine, then the machine wasn't working properly. And, and he goes, don't tell me you didn't join the Marine Corps because that kept you out of flight school. I said, that's exactly what kept me out of flight school. That went on my record as I had a ventricular hypertrophy. Wow. wow. <laughs> so, and of course, here's the funny part. Yeah, hey, I can still go join and, uh, you know, do the ground thing. But, <laughs> you know, that's not what I wanted to do. So it's probably smart. And, and I, and, and well, and, and it honestly, yes. Uh, and, you know, that, that is my, and I know this sounds dumb, but, that's my only regret in life, you know, meaning, you know, like the big things that I wish I would have done. I'm a box checker. I like to, I put that on my list. I want to check it off. You right know? on. And I never did it. And, and I, I regret that to this day. I wish I just would have joined and done something. Um, but here we are, you know, 30 years later. So, but yeah, that's, that, that's uh, when we were living in Dallas, that's when all that went on. I, uh, I still kept pursuing trying to join and then finally, I just I just said uh, screw it. So I yeah. just walked away. Wow! But yeah, yep. So there's another story. <laughs> what's funny is is it, what's really it, you were doing a flight physical. That's why it was so in depth. Because yes. when I went down to get my physical, they were like, "Okay, cough. Uh, yeah. Can you touch your toes? Yeah. Do you have a heartbeat?" <laughs> You're good. Yeah. Yeah. You're in. You're in. You won the lottery. Yeah. (laughs) You know, what they said I had, you know, for whatever reason, pilots can't have that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Flight physicals are a little bit more in depth. Yeah. But for whatever reason, you can go do all the stuff that the ground guys do, and that's okay. You know, who cares if you drop dead on the ground? It's when you're in their 18 year old, $50 million plane that uh, it matters. So, yeah. Yeah, anyway. exactly. Yeah, I, I got a flight physical once or twice. I was I was trying to become a helicopter pilot at one point um, during my army career, and so I had to go. And I, it is a lot more intense than your average infantry, uh, you know, basic training entry exam. You know, I think it's a little bit more difficult now. Uh, my son went. Through, it, it's a lot more difficult to get into any branch of service right now than it was, you know, when Brian and I went in. But uh, it's uh anyway so so where so you moved from dallas what caused that where did where did you go from dallas and we moved back to oklahoma so my uh tamara's dad had passed away from cancer um, and they still had a family farm at the time and uh so we uh we moved back to kind of help out with that and uh and then of course i i I got a job was building some houses up here for a company and and uh, but um we were, you know, we were just trying to figure out what we were going to do at that point. And uh, that's when I got started actually building houses for myself, uh, being self-employed, and uh, did that for, gosh, uh, about 10 years before the housing market crashed. And, uh, and then uh, we kind of had to pivot from there and, and go a different direction. So. so you probably started in, what, 98 or so? Is that about right? Uh, yeah, yeah, 90. I actually, yeah, yeah, about then. Okay. So, 
I mean, I mean, I was building from 94. Uh, when I got out of college in 93, we moved to Dallas in 94, if I remember right, uh, built houses down there. And then uh, we moved back in, uh, it was 90, it was probably about 98. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Shortly after our oldest was born in 97. So, yeah. You know, um, it's, it's funny you talk about, you know, it's building houses, but I mean, I imagine like how difficult of an industry is that to, to get into? I mean, if you wanted to start your own, like, like you did, I mean, is that, is it still reasonable to, to try to do something like that today? Or, I mean, is it, is it a difficult um, industry? It depends. It depends on where you are. Um, in Oklahoma, pretty much anybody who can go get a loan can go build a house. Okay. So, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of competition. Um, you know, like for instance, where, uh, Ben lives, um, I know this because I, I knew a guy who went out there and started building houses. And I, I think he had to have, gosh, I want to say it was at least a hundred thousand dollars in the bank. Yeah. Um, all kinds so, of licensing and yeah, it's a whole nother ball game. Yeah. Out, out here in Nevada, you have to have, um, well, you have to have a general contracting license and then based upon your financial situation is how much your capacity is. So if, if, if you don't have any money and you're just, swinging a hammer, your license limit is, uh, is going to be, you know, $200,000. So you can't, what that means is, is that you can't build anything that that's your limit, you know? So contractors here are always worried about their bondable limit and it's the capacity in which they can build homes. So if you're a single, single member LLC or individual, and you're trying to build custom homes, you you need like a million dollar limit where you can't, you can't get an account anywhere to get materials. You can't hire subcontractors. You can't, you know, and not a lot of custom homes are done uh, bonded. But if you if you are doing it, if the owner or the the customer requires you to be bonded, you're you're toast if you don't have that that capacity limit. So when so. you say like when you say like a million dollars, does that mean like the the, to- the selling price of the home or like the the to- the cost of the materials to to build the home? how much work you can have going on at any given time, meaning the money passing through. Okay. So it's, it's almost a gross revenue number okay. of how much it, it's not a real estate number. It's a, it's a hired subs and materials and fees. Wow. So do you think that's done? I mean, it almost seems like it's done to box out the small guys. So the larger corporations can come in and build massive track homes. I mean, is that, is that why it's done? If you come, Getting a helicopter and fly around Las Vegas. There's a lot of track homes. <laughs> well, I mean, that seems like what's going on everywhere. I mean, I, yeah. I I like to look at real estate, and everywhere I look, it's like Texas. All these all these states are just track homes everywhere, and they're yeah. We went massive. Vegas going. went through their big housing, you know, downfall like oh seven oh eight, like everybody else. And we at the you know two thousand to two thousand seven, we had a lot of guys that were building custom homes there's still dirt to buy so you could you could either spec home it you know the the general would buy the land build the house and then sell the house or customer buys the land hires the general contractor mm-hmm. to build the house and uh after the housing crisis in 2008 we lost a lot of those individual home builders some of them are still around you'll see their trucks but there's I mean, if we had a thousand, you know, individual guys like Mitch doing general contracting, we probably have a hundred now. I mean, it's, 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 it, it really killed them in that last housing crash. 
Hmm. They all had spec homes that were in their names that they owed money on and, and the value just plummeted. Right. Guys were losing the land. Guys were losing, you know, it, it just everything. It killed everybody. That's interesting. I never thought about it like that. Hmm. It's actually the rules that they've created. I do see the angle of why they did it. It's not necessarily to, to make it harder for the small guy, but it's to protect the consumer. Um, it does make it harder for the small guy, but if you're a good builder and you, you manage your finances, you don't need a million dollars in the bank to get a million dollar limit. That's not what it's not dollar for dollar. It has to do with time experience and financial stability. But what it does though, is, is it, it, it creates an environment where you and I can't go today. We're home builders. Uh, we're going to go build a home and we don't know anything about home building. You know, it's, that was happening too. We had a lot of guys that were out there saying it's Ben and Brian's general contracting. Yeah. And uh, you know, somebody would hire you and pay you fees and then you and I would dip, you know, we'd be out of, we'd be gone. And these people are stuck with, you know, liens, you know, now the sub, the plumber puts a lien on your property because he never got paid by the general contractor and all this other stuff. So it, that was happening, but the rules that they've created are, are the reason they say is for that to pr protect the consumers. All right. That kind of makes sense. I, hmm, interesting. All right. Mitch is nodding. I'm talking. This is Mitch's hour. And I'm sitting here talking and Mitch is going, yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who, is that? who is the guy that was out here that you knew? Oh, crap. I can't remember. As a matter of fact, he was an old Marine. Uh, sorry. Uh, I can't remember his last name. Steve something. Uh, he worked for a company here in Oklahoma. and went. He was originally from out there. Uh, and then went back out and went to work for some big home builder out there. So, wasn't Steve Hansen, was it? Kind of a big guy. No. Mm -hmm. Oh, all right. No, I didn't. I did insurance for years, and I specialized in construction. Gotcha. So I've talked to just about if you swung a hammer or or a, a saw out here in Las Vegas, I've called on you at one point in time to oh. try and do your insurance. There but, you go. Uh, yeah. So, so you got back to Oklahoma, you're working on your family's land. Walk us through the, walk us through the crazy, uh, incident. I'll call it the okay. incident a couple years ago. So, so I'll start off with everybody. Everybody has that one person in their family, right? That's <laughs> not, you know, right. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's, that's, that's our, our base level of understanding here. So, uh, it was my brother-in-law it was Tamara's brother and he, uh, wait, your brother-in-law shot you? Yes. I didn't know that. Yes. So that's what I'm saying. Everybody's <laughs> got that one person in the family. We'll call him for the, for the basis of the story. Let's call him brother-in-law Cooter. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. So Cooter was having some troubles. Now, uh, Cooter is probably a full-blown narcissist is what he is. Um, and and I, hate, I hate using that term because so many people think a narcissist is just somebody that's self-centered and, you know, just has a big ego and all that stuff. But it's really a lot deeper than that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so 
he had been through, uh, his wife had left him. Um, there's uh, alcoholism, uh, some drug use, um, can't keep a job, you know, the whole spiraling out of control thing going on. And so we had, we had moved back to Kingfisher where this happened, where we live now. And we had noticed, we had started seeing some patterns with him and Tamara's mom. Um, and, and they weren't healthy things, you know, a lot of verbal abuse, um, things like that. Um, and, uh, then, you know, before too long, things were being taken, uh, stuff was being stolen. Um, so I have out here where we live in, in, uh, in the country, there's a big, uh, metal building out here that I, I run my business out of. And he had some stuff in it and, uh, you know, he, he, he was more than welcome to come and go. Um, but it got to the point where some of my stuff started disappearing from that shop. And so I had to change the locks on it. And I, I'm telling you this because it leads up to the, the point where I got shot. Um, so I'd had to change the locks a couple different times. And finally, I changed it to where he couldn't break in anymore. And so from that moment, um, I think 28 days had passed. And also, any communication we did with him Tamara and I both had got to the point where our only communication with him was by text because we wanted everything in writing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there wasn't any, he said, she said any of that kind of stuff because I mean, he, he made threats to us both. Um, he was, he's just, you know, anyway. Uh, so 28 days goes by I'm out brush hogging. I'm in a skid steer rubber track skid steer with a brush, hag, uh, brush hog attachment on the front. And uh, I see him come out to the shop and uh, he just sat there. And of course I, I had my headphones in, I was listening to, to some music on my phone and a little you know, Snoop Dogg. Yeah. The old, yeah. old fashioned kind of headphones that actually plugged in. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I, I looked at my phone to see if he had told me or text me. He hadn't, so I wasn't worried about it. And, to, and, and honestly, at that point, we did not want to be around this person. Okay, we we avoided him at all costs. I get and, it. And, and you know, it, 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 if you want me to come up there to the shop, you're going to have to call me and tell me to come up there. So you know, that's that's kind of where we were at. And uh, so anyway, I'm brush hogging along the property, uh, along a fence line, and um, and going back and forth. And all of a sudden, you know, I turn around one time and I see him walking down towards me, and. Uh, I thought to myself, oh, crap, what does he want? And uh, so I, I go up toward him. I get close enough. I turn the brush hog off and uh, stop the machine. I, I, I actually open the door to get out. And, you know, that little voice that always is smarter than you, it said, don't get out. And so I shut the door back. I open the, it has a little glass window on the left side. He walks around to the left over here. And I said, what you need? He said, I need you to open the door. Well, my minds are automatically, I think, of the shop because that's the last communication we had was about that shop. Right. Uh, you know, me having to change the locks again. And I said, okay, I'll, uh, I'll meet you up there in just a minute. 
And he kind of looks at me puzzled, like, and I said, he said uh, something to the effect of, um, yeah, I need you to open the door. And I said, I know, I'll, I'll meet you up there in a minute. And he says, you're damn right you're going to open the door. And I'm like, whatever, dude. So I shut the glass and, um, you know, out of my, I go, I start to throttle the machine up out of my peripheral vision. I see him over there doing something. So I look and he's pulling a gun out of his shorts. And next thing I know, the gun's pointing at my face. And uh, I just looked at him. I said, don't you do it. I, I mouthed it through the, through the machine. And uh, of course, he got that look in his eye. And so I just turned and kind of hunched over and boom, 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 shot three times. And it is, it is surely by the grace of God that I'm here because all three of those bullets hit the cage on the machine. And he, he had a 357. Um, and he was standing. How close maybe, was, oh, yeah. How close was he? Maybe five to six feet away from Oh, him. yeah. So, so I get glass all in my face, arm, shoulder. Um, you know, I've got pain. I'm freaking out. <laughs> yeah. You know, and the, and anyway, so I just, I just fired the machine back up. I turned it toward him, raised the brush hog in front of me, you know, to get something in between us. And, uh, I, you know, I'm kind of, you know, just trying to figure out, okay, what, what the hell do I do? You know, I, I, I'm hurting, I'm bleeding, you know, my, I had on a fluorescent yellow shirt and it is now turning blood red. Right. Oh my God. And, uh, so, you know, I just feel pain. Of course the adrenaline's through the roof. And, um, so he reaches as I'm sitting here in the machine, I, I see him, he reaches around the brush hog attachment, points a gun at me again. So I turn the machine that way. And then uh, I, he comes over to the other side and points the, the, the gun at me and um, turn that way. And then I decide, okay, it's you or me at this point. So I, I start going after him. I turn the brush hog on and I'm trying to track him down. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to run over him and, uh, and in this thing. Cause uh, I don't, I've never been shot before. Uh, I don't know how. No, you I haven't? Can, yeah. <laughs> that was your first time? Shockingly, oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. know, yeah. So I'm, I'm just, I've got all these thoughts going through my head of, you know, how long can I, you know, how long can I bleed? You know, how bad is it? You know, I'm trying to do all this self-assessing, you know, figure things out while I'm tra- chasing him so he doesn't shoot me again. And uh, I finally get him over to a fence. And uh, I noticed that there weren't any parts flying, body parts flying. So I realized I had I accidentally turned off the brush hog. And so I just lowered it down and knocked him down. And I pulled away. As soon as I saw him there on the, on the ground, uh, I just turned and took off in the machine toward the house where my truck was parked. And to get, you know, try to get some distance between us. And so... Then, of course, I've got to call somebody and tell them what just happened. So, I, uh, of course, my phone's on the ground, uh, or not on the ground, but on the floor of the cab. And I start um, start picking up the phone. I, I decide, okay, I'm calling Tamara first. Got to let her know what happened. And uh, I, I can't. She picked up the phone, but I couldn't hear her. 
So this goes on between me calling her and 911. I called each one of them seven different times. I couldn't hear them. And finally figured out um, the headphones were still plugged in, but they had gotten yanked out of my ears. So I, I couldn't hear anything. So then I find, okay, unplug the headphones, go to call again, hold it up to my ear. I still can't hear anything. And I'm like, what the hell? I'm, I'm, I literally, this is what, what's so weird. You have all these thoughts growing through your head. And I literally said, thought in my head, AT&T, you have failed me for the last time. I mean, I was like, this is, this is, this is ridiculous. Can you, you know? hear me now? Can you yeah, hear me now? exactly. I, I'm like, where did that come from? You know? And uh, anyway, so I'm still, I, so I finally realized the rubber piece was stuck in my ear from the headphones. So I'm, I'm, you know, driving the machine. My left hand has to drive the machine. It's a joystick control machine. And so I'm having to decide, I, I've got my left arm pressed up against my, my rib cage. Cause I, I don't know where I was shot at. All right. I just know I'm bleeding a lot and, and I know there's blood under here. So I'm thinking I'm keeping pressure on it, you know? And so I had to decide, I had, I had the phone in, in my, my right hand. I needed to switch hands so I could get that out of my ear. So, but then the other thought was, well, if I stop, he could be right behind. The thing only goes five miles an hour, you know? Right. So he could be chasing me, still trying to get me. And, um, Anyway, so I decided, okay, I got to I got to let somebody know what happened. And so I stopped the machine, trade hands with the phone, pull that out. Soon as soon as we do that, this gush of blood just starts going and I'm like, I'm freaking out again. And uh, but I I am realizing I'm not coughing up blood, so that's good, you know. I'm I'm breathing okay, you know, like I said, I'm doing this whole trying to figure out what's wrong thing. And uh and so as soon as, as soon as I'm going through all that, I, I get a text from Tamara and it says, um, I cry every time I, <laughs> it says, um, I can hear you. You can't hear me. Uh, are you okay? And I just text her back and said, call 911. Brian just shot me. And, uh, of course she freaks out. Um, but I had to let her know somebody know with a name attached to it in case yeah. I don't make it. Somebody's got to know what happened. Yeah. And, and so I make it, I get up to my truck. It was parked at the house, which is about a quarter of a mile from where, uh, where I was <laughs> going, shot at. going five miles an hour. Five miles an hour. Exactly. <laughs> I could have ran there faster. And, uh, so I get out of the machine, get in my truck. At this point, now I'm talking to my middle daughter, Abby, uh, her and Tamara together. And so Tamara's on the phone with 911. Abby's on the phone with me, and we're relaying information to each other. And Abby says, hey, the ambulance is coming out to the, to the house. I said, well, don't tell them to come here. I said, I don't know where he is, and I'm getting in my truck and driving to the hospital. So I get in the truck. I haul ass. Uh, we live about a mile, a couple of miles outside of town. And so they, they're asking me, okay, which way you going? We'll have the ambulance meet you. So I wind up meeting the ambulance. Um, and, uh, I get in there, they take me out to, uh, luckily we had, uh, I say, luckily it cost me $37,000 for this helicopter ride. Um, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> $14,000 ambulance ride and $37,000 helicopter ride later. Uh, I'm lined up at OU Medical Center at Thomas Center. 
and they start working on me. And luckily, none of my my wounds were life threatening. Um, but uh, was it so? The bullets ricocheted off the cage. So the the bullets shot uh, bullets. The bullets ricocheted hit me. Two of them. Well, three three of them hit me. One of them. Two, one of them didn't go in. It just cut cut my arm. The other one went in my left uh, shoulder. It's still in there. They they never took it out. And then I had one in my back, right uh, right in your lat muscle. Um, and uh, they wound up getting it out about um. That's probably about two months later they took it out because it wasn't. It didn't want. It wanted to come out. So, so what was bleeding your lat? Everything. Uh, the shoulder and, and the, the back. And the but you brain. didn't hit any, no arterial hits no. or anything like that. No. Oh, man, no. you're lucky. So, uh, it, yes. sounds like the, it sounds like the, you said the, the bullets hit the cage of the vehicle. And it, yes. Had it not done that, they would have gone right through you at that range. That's yeah. that's incredible. I mean, that's a that's a yeah. miracle. Yes, I mean, no doubt. That's unbelievable. No doubt. Yeah. So does Cooter yeah. still come over for Thanksgiving, or are you guys not on speaking terms? Cooter's in prison. <laughs> yeah. So did he? I mean, I'm, did he stick around? Like, how the police end up catching him? Like, what what happened there? Well, so that's where it gets really, you know, interesting. Uh, so he leaves, drives to another town about uh, 15, 20 minutes away, buys a six pack of beer, and proceeds to drive around for the next two or three hours before they catch up with him. So yeah, go figure. I guess if you know you're going to jail, you might as well get drunk on the way. Yeah, I guess. But did, he, uh, did you ever find out what the deal was? He was just mad. Yeah. Was it? I mean, was he so high? Basically, basically, I'm the bad guy. I'm the one who always had to intervene when he was causing trouble with my mother-in-law. Oh, um, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm the bad guy. Is is the best way to put it. So, yeah, but yeah, had another first there. So got shot, got to ride in a helicopter for the first time. Um, and then was, uh, you know, for this, I guess, second time since I was born, uh, laid naked in the hospital with about 20 people in the room, <laughs> you know, poking and prodding me. <laughs> I, I do that on a good Saturday night. I just yeah. I lay down <laughs> Hey, do you guys exactly. mind if I take all my clothes off and let you prod right. me? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. doing something wrong because I usually have to pay for that kind of service, but no. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So oh, yeah, that man. was a that was a fun weekend. So no, uh, you're all healed up, right? I mean, you're not no yeah. long lasting other than obviously the mental uh stuff running. Hey, it amazes me that you were able to like self-triage move the tractor, like use the phone, you know, think clearly enough to go, Hey, I mean, we all like to say that we've prepared ourselves for what comes like that. But like, I mean, you had a million things going on and you were able to at least think clearly to like, Hey, okay, I need to stop my bleeding, fight this dude off and let my wife know what happened. And I ordered a pizza and uh, <laughs> like, good Lord, man. Yeah. Well, I guess I've got good genes. Oh man, that's I'm on edge just thinking about that, man. That's crazy. 357's no joke. Yeah. No wow. The weird part is, and maybe I misunderstood the sheriff's deputies, but I 
thought they said he only had three bullets in it. Three rounds. Cooter's retarded. Oh, I can't say that on the air. Cooter's not that bright. No, apparently not. So, I mean, if you're going to kill somebody, you know, make it count. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But, yeah, that's that's what's funny is, you know, dealing with, of course, like I said, the whole – that that whole incident made me. It it was like um, it was literally like my my eyes were opened and I woke up from all the other crap that I'd been through, you know, years ago. And you know, make, I was high on life for good lord six months, <laughs> you know, after going through something like that. So uh, I went skydiving, <laughs> got my first tattoo. Oh wow! <laughs> um, yeah, you, you name it. I mean, I was I was out there doing it. So it uh, it was a it was a change for the better. So, but the weird part was, you know, ha- having it. So now I'm having to deal with all these other emotions as well because I still. Then I started having some anxiety attacks. Um, walked out to my truck one day to get in it and literally freaked out because you know somebody was standing around the corner of my truck you know and uh, it's just just weird just weird stuff going on like one day um one day i was driving uh to run some errands and i just started crying just crying and couldn't quit crying and i i there wasn't anything you know i didn't feel upset but i was just crying (laughs) Right. It's the weirdest, it's the weirdest deal. And of course I had my dad as a, you know, he, he's helped me a lot, a lot through, through all that plus this. And, uh, and, uh, you know, he, he'd been shot at all the time and, um, in Vietnam. And, you know, I just kept telling him, I said, you know, what, what's going on? I can't, I can't figure this deal out. I said, cause I just, I just keep having these, you know, weird emotions and, and uh, he said, Mitchell, somebody, <laughs> somebody just walked up to you and shot you. You're not, you're not prepared for that. There's no yeah. way you can be prepared for that. He I said, bet. we trained for, for a year before I went to Vietnam. You know, we were expecting to go and get shot at every day. You were out there brush hogging, minding your own business, and somebody comes out and shoots you. So, you know, I guess it is kind of easy to rationalize when you think about it like that. Yeah, it's just been, it's been interesting. So that's changed your whole, not changed your whole outlook, but changed your outlook. I mean, you, you live, you live like a Tim McGraw song, you know, you go live like you were dying. Right. I mean, that's That's kind of your motto, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, obviously I still have some highs and lows, but for the most part, we, we try to have the most fun we can and, and, uh, do stuff with the girls and yeah. So when you, uh, when you go into a funk, um, how do you mentally walk yourself out of it? I mean, you've obviously more mature, a little bit wiser. Yeah, I can, I can real, I can, like you talked about, I can recognize it now. Um, and I, and I just, usually I just, you know, um, I usually just call Tamara or, you know, and just tell her, you know, Hey, I'm, I don't, I'm not feeling right today. And, you know, we'll just, we'll just talk and, and, uh, you know, I try to try to get busy, 
um, doing things. Um, cause I can't, I can't just sit around, I realize I can't just sit around cause it just, it, it just keeps, it just keeps rolling. Uh, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, you know, generally I can, I can, I can get busy and, you know, get my mind on, off of it and eventually it, you know, goes away. But, uh, yeah, being That's active awesome. is the key. Yeah. Yeah. So would you say, and I was looking at your Instagram, it seems like you work out a lot. Do you feel like staying active and doing some hard exercise has been beneficial kind of keeping your emotions in check? Have you, have you noticed a difference? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, because I was always, you know, I played sports growing up, football, baseball, basketball, ran track, did all that stuff. And, you know, I got away from that, um, after, you know, we started having kids and, and, uh, you know, you start, you know, not doing things you always like to do. And, um, but I, I, I got back in the gym not too long ago and, and, uh, it's been, it's been good. I actually haven't worked out in, in two or three months now because had some other issues, in, you know, back injury and things like that. Sure. But, but yeah, I mean, just staying active is it's, it's huge. Uh, I can't emphasize that enough, how much that does for your mental health. Um, obviously as well as your, your physical, but yeah, yeah we, we just try to, we just try to stay active. Have you ever tried, um, I, kind of had similar issues to what you're just not like having never been shot, but uh, you ever supplements, any type of uh, dietary modifications, anything like that? Have you ever experimented with that? I haven't. And here's the number one reason why I am lazy okay. when it comes to doing stuff like that. <laughs> so I, if I, if I, if you can buy it and drink it, I'll do it. But if okay. I have to take it, mix it and do all that, not doing it. I'm out. Well, <laughs> I'll give you, I'll give you a couple of suggestions. Cause I, I have a couple of things <laughs> I've been using that have worked for me. And I, I'll just say like, I kind of fell in the funk of not working out. And I had some issues at work where I was getting pretty down. And there was a time not too long ago where I was having a hard time sleeping. I mm-hmm. would, my mind would race before I would go to bed. And there were, I hate saying it, but I mean, there were nights when I was brought to tears for no reason. It was the weirdest thing. Like I, I couldn't sleep. I'd worry about like getting older. I'd worry about just random stuff. Like I, I know I'm not old, but in my head, I'm like, Oh my God, I'm, you know, okay. I'm 40. I only really have like 40 years left. Like I'd worry about weird stuff like that. Right. And I <laughs> somewhere, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I mean, nothing owns number one on the list, obviously, but I do listen Roger, to one. Roger that. <laughs> but uh, I was listening to someone, they were talking about magnesium and my diet's never been great. But I, I started taking magnesium and it's been incredible. Like I, ever since I started that, when I, I notice when I'm ready for bed, it's like a light switch. Like I, before I was like not really sleeping, kind of waking up. I couldn't, I had to force myself to get to bed, but excuse me, taking the magnesium. It's like, okay, I'm going to bed now. I close my eyes and I'm out. Dude, that's funny. It's, I take magnesium every day. And I, if I sit down, if I lay down yeah. on my bed, I'm done. My wife can be laying in bed with our kid and watching TV and the lights are on. I'm out. Yeah. yeah. And I, I always tell it to people because for me, like it was incredible. I, I, I mean, I, I don't want to say 
it, it was getting pretty dark and it was, it was weird. I, I don't know where it came from. And because like I was joking around earlier, I hit in the head, but I mean, it, <laughs> I did actually have a pretty severe concussion on more than one occasion. So it was, I was like, okay, am I having issues from, from those concussions? You know, cause I, I hit my head pretty hard. Um, but the magnesium has been incredible and it's, it's, it's been a life changer. And I always say that because if you can't sleep, everything else falls apart after that, your diet falls apart. Yeah. Um, so to anyone out there, if you can't sleep, try magnesium, forget about all the other drugs, all the other stuff. Just try that first because it's a natural supplement that your body needs anyway. Um, yeah. and it's, and now that you can, now that I can sleep, everything else is kind of falling into place. Like I, I've, I hired a trainer. I think we've talked about it. Like I'm, I've been going to the gym more frequently than I ever have, you know, which has been incredible. So I'm starting to see the benefits of that. Um, it's, it's been awesome. I, the two other things I've been taking, there's a company called uh, health code and it's a meal in a bag. So you just mix it with water. It's a full meal. You know, it's all the nutrients you need as opposed to like, for me, I go to, I go eat junk food if I have the opportunity. So I've been taking the magnesium, I have the health code meals that are, I mean, I'm not a doctor, I'm not prescribing it, but it's helping keeping me keep my diet in check. And then I just started taking, um, everyone's been talking about it. It's, um, Tongkat Ali. Have you heard of that? And uh, no, Fagogia Arrestus. Huh. I, those two things have been, it, it's been like a light step. Do you want to talk about a light switch? Um, <laughs> like in, in the gym, like I, I was never really super athletic, you know, I was in the military, but I was never really the PT stud, you know, I, I could do, I did okay. But, but I'll tell you, ever since I started taking that, those other supplements you can buy them on Amazon, I have way more endurance. Um, like I noticed I can li I was lifting 10, 20 extra pounds, just like nothing. It, it's, it's incredible. So, and it, it's like 20 bucks a bottle for, you know, a two month supply. Um, and supposedly it helps with uh, testosterone. Uh, it helps with a lot of other, uh, keeps your hormones in balance. Um, you know, there, I haven't taken any blood work, but it supposedly helps with, um, some, you know, sexual stuff. It helps deliver hormones to, to different parts of the body. Like it's, it's been incredible. So my point to all this is there are some easy things you can do that, um, make a huge difference. And I, I, I try to tell everybody because it's, it's been such a life changer for me and it's a natural supplement. You know, it's not anything crazy. It's not, um, like an SSRI. Like I, I have some SSRIs that are prescribed to me. It's a Zoloft. Um, and I haven't taken it, but it, they gave it to me cause I had some issues, you know, but right. it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to take that unless I have to, and I haven't yet, but it's on my sink. Um, but yeah, please try the magnesium. I know I'm on a, on a rant here. <laughs> oh yeah. Will do. But, uh, I always like talking about that because if, if I can help somebody with just getting their diet in check, get, you know, get your diet in yeah. check, get your workout in check and start sleeping, start drinking water. It's, it's a life changer. Cause once you start with that stuff, everything else kind of falls into place. And if you have issues like, um, you know, depression or anything like that, there are so many natural solutions that it may not solve it completely, but it's going to get you 80, 90% of where you need to be without, yeah taking a harsh drug that has horrible side effects or, you know, I mean, I know a lot of other drugs are getting legalized that I'm not a huge fan of, but before you go down that road, try some other alternatives. So that's my, that's my rant for the night, even though I, yeah. I went a little longer than I should have, but. 
and and I I've I've always been one of those people that I've been blessed with the ability to lay my head down and go to sleep. Yeah. Uh, now I might not sleep great, but I can fall asleep like nobody's business. That's and, awesome. Uh, yeah, but you know, uh, and and there for a while after after I got shot, you know, I would go to sleep, but I wasn't resting. You know yeah. what I mean? I wasn't getting that deep sleep. And uh, I actually started taking some stuff that I had. Uh, oh, I can't remember the guy's name now. He was he was a uh, a Navy SEAL doctor. He was actually a SEAL who became Did a doctor. Doc Parsley. That's it. Yep. 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 And I I actually ordered some of his stuff because I I started researching sleep and you know the importance of it and all this kind of stuff and and his name popped up with. And he had this concoction that he sold and, and it actually helped. I was, I was surprised. I figured it wouldn't, but uh, it actually did help. And uh, um, anyway, it got me to where I was sleeping pretty much through the night. And, uh, and then of course, as time goes by, it got, it got better as well, just, you know, naturally, but, um, but yeah, sleep, sleep's a big one, but I definitely will try the magnesium um, because I need all the help I can get. So. Yeah. It's, I have a whole stack of, I'll, I'll move on here in a second, but yeah, magnesium, it's magnesium and zinc. Um, I do tur- turmeric, uh, you know, omega-3, vitamin C, vitamin D. Um, yeah. And then I have the Fagogia and the uh, Tonkata Lee. And then I have um, vitamin C. And there's some, there's some, a couple of ones that I take, but yeah, it's, it's incredible. So please anyone out there, you know, please, uh, please do your research, but let's move on from the diet. Cause I could go all night talking about that. Cause I, that's one of the things I'm passionate about. Cause I, I, whatever moving on before we started recording, this is kind of, we're going to change directions here quite a bit, but if you don't mind, before we wrap up, I wanted to talk to you about, um, what we were talking about before we started recording and you were talking about, you know, trade schools versus college. And if you don't mind, if you could just kind of touch on that in your experience, cause you, you own a business, which we haven't talked about too much, but if you could talk about, you know, your business and what you're seeing in the workforce and, you know, if you could give some advice to some people that are considering college versus, you know, like a trade school, you know, what's your experience from being a business owner and being in, you know, a hot industry, you know, right now? Yeah. So, you know, we, we work in the plumbing and, and, uh, utility business and, um, there is a shortage of, um, of trained people who can do the work. Um, number one, because it's so busy. Uh, number two, um, the other issue is people, a lot of people don't want to work. They don't want to get their hands dirty. Yeah. Um, but, but there's been this push for years to send everybody to college. They promoted college, college, college. And, you know, it, the, the trade schools and Votex or whatever you want to call them, they all got kind of pushed to the wayside and, and, uh, and therefore, we have we now have a shortage of qualified people to work in the construction industry, uh, electricians, plumbers, heat and air guys, you know, carpenters. Um, they can all learn that stuff at a trade school. And, um, you know, and the reality is, like, for instance, a plumber, a journeyman plumber, of course, it takes two years to work as an apprentice uh, until you get to be a, a journeyman and you have to pass a test. But. Uh, you know, a journeyman plumber starts off twenty five dollars an hour, so yeah. it's uh, you know, 
I know people that graduate from college that will make $25 an hour. Right. So, and what, uh, what can an experienced plumber, you know, that's 10, 15 years into the career, what can they expect to make? Uh, they could make anywhere from 35 up to $45 an hour. Yeah. Depending on what kind of position you're in. So, and then as far as like the schooling and stuff, I mean, if, if someone decided they wanted to, to do that or go that route, like where would they, where would they start? Like, where would you, where would you point someone? Well, so like, it's going to be, it's going to be people that like to do stuff with their hands. Right. You know what I mean? They, they, they want to, you know, guys who work on cars or guys that help or even girls. I mean, we've got girls out as plumbers and electricians, you know, that's, that's not uncommon. Um, but, uh, you know, usually like in rural communities, like we live in, um, here in Oklahoma, you know, mostly all rural communities, um, we have, you know, little, uh, like, uh, you used to call them Votex. I, they, they changed the name to make it sound more professional. Um, but, uh, you know, they're, they're everywhere. They're all over the state. Okay. Um, and, uh, it's just, you know, the high schools know about them. Um, and they send kids there like, like here in Kingfisher, you know, kids who want to maybe be a plumber or electrician, uh, there's a local Votech, uh, that's close by that, you know, they, they go do classes out there while they're even in high school. So, uh, that Very way cool. you get a, a leg up before you even get out of high school. So it's have, definitely, uh, definitely something that people should look into. I totally agree. Have, cause I know out here in California, a lot of the, the shop classes have been just eliminated, you know, and they they were being yeah. replaced with, you know, college prep. So yep. everything. Same. Yeah. Um, do you find that maybe that may be a hard question to answer, but do you feel like, a lot of the kids coming out of high school, they're just not, they're not even aware that there's a career in the trades or do you feel like the kids coming out of school looking for a career, they, they know of it, but they're just not interested. Like, where do you think the disconnect is? I think it's actually been looked down upon. Okay. Yeah. I saw, I saw like a Ted talk type thing the other day and, and this, they were specifically were talking about this issue and they said in America right now, um, greater than any other time in American history, males that come out of high school are staying home and living at their parents' house for like, you know, 200% longer time period, you know, for an extra five or six years, even after college, um, because they went to college for some stupid degree and none of them want to start at the bottom. None of them want to do, nobody wants to grow up and do a trade anymore. Um, and this kind of things. And they said, it's, it's a, I, I don't want to misquote the stats and stuff, but the stats were astronomically interesting from um, how, you know, the whole point of the thing was, is that the American male is being, you know, we're, we're being um, taught, yeah, emasculated and being taught to do different things. And, and that some things are, you know, okay. And I mean, we all have our own opinions about that. That's not the point of this conversation, but, you know, men, young men coming out of high school, wanting to learn a trade, whether that's through college or through a Votech, and then provide for a family, buy a house. You know, the American dream has changed. And, and that's me. I think it's being force fed to us to weaken our country, but I'm a conspiracy theorist. So, uh, but the, you know, it's, it's crazy. 
um, the differences between, and we all sound old now, you know, it's like our dads, you know, every generation gets weaker, but the, um, that's one thing I agree with England on. I think England has some real downfalls in their society, but, um, they don't send everybody to college on purpose. You have to be an academic or going to be a doctor or, you know, something that requires that further education. And they don't look down on it. If you're, if you're not going to be the doctor in the family, they send you to a trade, like you go to work and then they send you to a trade and they, they get it taken care of like that. I think even, you know, I think they even have, if you're, you know, if you're not going to, to secondary school, I think the state or the country pays for it too, to, so that they always have qualified electricians and qualified plumbers and qualified roofers. And, you know, I almost wonder if that's, if that's the root cause of this, you know, I, I, I agree with you to a point, you know, about the, the conspiracy of kind of trying to weaken society, but I also think I, I, I got to find it, but I, I want to say there was a study done that showed a correlation between the availability of guaranteed college loans, you know, and the cost of college going through the roof and it almost seems like a conspiracy where you had the government said, we're going to guarantee everyone gets an unlimited amount of money. So we want to push everyone into college because now you have all these new customers essentially at the college that are guaranteed all these loans that you can never escape from no matter what. So now you basically guaranteed 18 year old kids, Hey, here's a couple hundred thousand dollars, seemingly consequence free, go to college and party for six years and then worry about the loans later. But no one ever says, well, those loans cost you X amount of interest on top of the opportunity cost of going to a trade, getting a job, starting a career, and investing that money into either a business or into investments. And anyone out there that's unsure of that, go look at an, inv- in an opportunity cost calculator and put in $1,000 over 20 years, and you're going to understand that spending that money on a college degree, getting into debt, and then not being able to invest that money into the stock market or into a business is going to cost you way more than the thousand dollars or whatever it is that you, you know, are out of pocket at that particular time. So, um, I, I'd be curious to see if other countries have that same, I don't think they do where they have (laughs) these guaranteed loans, you know, where it's like, Hey, you want $300,000? Sure. Go ahead. Knock yourself out. Well, Um, I'm not a Bernie Sanders fan, but one thing I agree with them on is, is why does college education at your standard non Harvard university cost, you know, $200,000 to go? Why does, why does the university state university of Oklahoma, for example, you know, for somebody that was born and raised in Oklahoma, why does it cost $200,000 to go get a degree? I mean, that's one thing I agree. I don't think we should be given a, I don't think we should be given away, you know, wiping out college debt one at the expense of the taxpayer. But I do agree. Maybe we should look at these universities that it's all tied to what you're talking about, the availability of the money. (laughs) Well, if we keep increasing the cost and the availability of the money is there, you know, if you and I owned a university, we do the same thing. Well, yeah, they, they charge whatever someone's going to pay for it. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like, it's like all the rent around a military installation. They know exactly what the housing allowance is. And, and that's what the rent is. It's not equivalent to what the housing market is. It's what the, what the government's given the soldier to get his house. You know, if, if, if they increase the housing allowance, they, they increase the rent. <laughs> so, yeah. 
Yes. So the question is, how do we fix it? What do we do? I mean, <laughs> I think we, we know should, what the problem is. We should solve that tonight on this podcast. I think we can. <laughs> I, I need a job. To- I need a job. I could probably uh, be a plumber. I was a plumber's apprentice out of high school before I went in the army. Mm-hmm. I can turn the water on and off. That's all we need. <laughs> I love it. You know, it's, this is off topic a little bit, and we'll start wrapping up here. But, you know, it seems like the military used to be a great place for that. I, I mean, it was probably before our time. But if memory serves, it seemed like the military had AC techs and plumbers. And, like, you were actually yeah. in the military as a plumber. Yeah. You know, you learned a trade in the military. Yeah. And, you know, more and more, it seems like the military is even outsourcing a lot of mechanic jobs, a lot of – I mean, I don't know that there are any military plumbers anymore, except maybe on a ship where you, you have to have a sailor do it. Um, but that's kind of an interesting topic too, where like the military used to be, and it, it shouldn't be a, a jobs program or a, a trade school it's to defend the country, but as a side benefit, you defend the country and you learn a trade, but even that's kind of seemingly going away, you know, even in the military, it's like, well, yeah, we can let a private contractor do that. You know, yeah, we can outsource that. We're not going to have, you know, a, a soldier actually being a mechanic. We're just outsourced to some private, private contractor, um, that worries me too for a lot of reasons, but yeah, we're, we're getting away from this fix it mentality of, Oh, we're, we're too, we're too good for that now. And that's, that's a dangerous thing to go down. I blame it on Instagram. Everybody wants to be an influencer. Yeah. You can blame a lot of things on social media. Yeah. But so Mitch, we ask all of our people that come on, you know, the whole point of our podcast is, is for somebody to, you know, hopefully we're giving advice to our listeners on if you want to make a change in a life, whether that's getting a gym, start a business, you know, make a change from zero to one, you know, go from zero to one. Um, what, what would your advice be to somebody out there that's thinking about making a change, whatever that may be? Um, if you could give them one piece of advice, what, what would that be? Uh, the one piece of advice that I would give is find out what you're passionate about and start. Say that again. Lean in a little bit. We're losing you. Find, find oh, out you what you're passionate about and start. Um, because so many people have things they want to do, but they don't start. I mean, just start. You'll figure it out. Um, I mean, I, I'm the world's worst. I'm a planner. Um I like to try to plan things out and make sure we got all our ducks in a row before we do something. And, uh, you know, it, I'm, I, you get that, uh, what's it called? Uh, analysis paralysis, yeah, and, same way, uh, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, I mean, just start, you know, not, nothing, you're not going to get anywhere unless you step, step out there and do it. So that's, that's all I got. That don't, don't get shot. Things. <laughs> that and don't get shot by uncle cooter <laughs> don't get a kidney stone oh, i have that's, been that's i'm gonna knock true. on wood i have never had one but i've known i've had some friends that have had some nasty nasty that's a story stones. for a whole nother a whole nother podcast yeah uh, I, I should start a support group on instagram just for kidney stone survivors that's what i should do <laughs> kidney so. stone survivors <laughs> All right. So, so last question, what, what's worse, the kidney stone or getting shot? Cause it seems would, like they're, I would rather get shot than okay. have another kidney stone. Wow. Yes. If I knew I was going to live. I would rather get shot. And, and I'll, I'll even say this. 
having the kidney stone surgery was bad. I mean, just the pain leading up to having the surgery, that's bad. But I had to have a stent from my bladder to my kidney, okay, after the surgery. Guess how they go get those? Oh, no, I don't want to guess. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm telling you. Yeah. Well, they say bad kidney just... stones for men is like having a baby. That's worse. It is. My camera was there when I was in the emergency. We had to go to the emergency room. And I have a very high pain tolerance. And I'm not saying that to brag. I just, it just is what it is. Uh, I've got a lot of injuries from when I was in high school that I still have to this day because I've never got them fixed because I can live with it. But um, that, she said it was like I was in labor. I mean, that's, that's what she equated it to. I mean, I, I couldn't get comfortable. I, it was awful. I, I'm, I'm not, we, we'll, we'll quit. But Dude, I can't even was, take this. You just got done telling us for 30 minutes this story about, yeah, I just took some 357s. <laughs> I'm a... You know, I just held my blood in. You know, and <laughs> I mentally drove the tractor five miles an hour with my mind bullets. Like, right. and then yeah. now you're like, but dude, I had a kidney stone and it was yeah. the worst thing ever. Ruin your life. <laughs> that it's is cool. awesome. Yeah. It's From like- now on, anytime I comment on your uh, your social media. It's going to be, but at least it's not a kidney stone. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> oh, you're having yeah. a rough day? Mm, yeah. Sorry, at least this it's not a kidney stone. Kidney. Well, and that's what's funny. And I don't mean to, to, to come across this way, but like when I meet people and we're having this discussion about whatever it is and, you know, serious discussion and, and I say, well, you know, after I got shot, this is how I started approaching things and doing this, that, and whatever. And, and they all just look at me with like, what the hell are you talking about? You got shot? You know, it just changes the whole dynamic. But that's my new threshold now. That's yeah. where that's where everything starts at, you know? Uh, so Your kid dropped you out know. of high school? Well, I got shot. Your cat died? Sorry, I got shot. Yeah, sorry, that's too bad. Yeah. 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 Until you come at me, yeah. I had kidney stones and uh, and I got shot. Yeah. That's what do you right. want to do? Come at yeah. me, bro. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Very well, we got to get you guys out here to Vegas, man. Break yeah, some bread. We'd like to come out. Believe it or not, we've never been to Vegas. So that's overrated. Yeah. Probably. I, I, we're okay. We're pretty boring. We are boring people. You know, our idea oh, yeah. of going to Vegas is like driving around, looking at lights and then going to the hotel, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's so. us. That's Lindsay and I, we're yeah. not gamblers. No. You know, we go down, we, we enjoy uh good restaurants. So we'll go down to the strip, but when people come to visit, right. we go, the strip is that way. Yeah. Here's the keys. When you get done doing your thing, just come West. <laughs> you know, we live on the West side of town. You know, it's like, come, yeah. come on back. Yeah. You know? So all the cheap yeah. buffets are gone now. I take yeah. it. Oh, dude, the cheap, the, the, the mafia era, you know, rat pack buffets have been gone for years, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, guess, uh, I guess I'm dating myself. Cause I remember going to Vegas as a kid, I guess. I did too. And, yeah. My grandpa you know, used to take us out to Caesar's yeah. palace for a buck 99 or whatever, you know, but it's, uh, that is gone. 
I mean, even downtown at the old places, the Golden Nugget and those places, I mean, any of them that you would actually want to eat at, uh, the, the food is, I mean, you can get, look, the food scene in Las Vegas is, I mean, outside of, let's say, L.A., New York, I, you know, I can't even think. I mean, I'm a big Dallas food. I'm a barbecue guy. I like Texas. Everybody that listens to our show knows I love Texas barbecue. But, um, I mean, fine dining, though, I mean, I think we've surpassed Chicago and Miami. You know, I Vegas has a very good food scene. I mean. I think a lot of people in Chicago would be upset with that statement. I think Chicago still got well, a pretty, uh, come at me. The only thing good out of Chicago <laughs> is, is that they won't, they don't put ketchup on their hot dogs. It's the only thing I agree with out of Chicago. One thing. The, <laughs> yeah. If you put ketchup on your hot dog, you're a communist. What? What do you how mean? We, what? How have we not talked about this? I didn't realize. Mitch, that was, Mitch, Mitch, do you put ketchup on your hot dogs? No. Of course not. No. He's a man. No. He has a beard. <laughs> He's been shot. Oh, and he does not put ketchup on his hot dog. I, I was in the airport. I was at Midway Airport one time and I was we were looking for something to eat. We were at, yeah. I think I was layover or something. And we went I went to go get a hot dog and they literally had a sign that says if you want that red condiment for your hot dog, you need to go over to the Burger King across the way and get it. We don't serve it. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Mustard goes on hot dogs. That's it. Period. Yeah. End of discussion. Well, the, the Chicago dog is its own thing. I will give you that. But I didn't realize ketchup was so sensitive on hot dogs. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. No. Ketchup is meant for French fries. Hmm. Yeah, I don't even put it on my hamburger. I put steak sauce on my hamburger. You got a barbecue sauce or barbecue. I do. I put barbecue sauce. I'm not a mayo person, yeah, but mayo is acceptable. Oh God. I don't, I don't eat mayo personally, but if you put mayo on your hamburger, I'm okay with that. Lots of people do. This is crazy conversation. I don't even know what we're talking about. Mustard on Honda. No, I think that I've eaten a lot of good places in Chicago. They have a lot of great food there, but I think Vegas has, I think Vegas has surpassed the higher end scene. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I think talking high end, like yeah, ultra classy stuff. Yeah, yeah. yes, yeah. Right. Hole in the wall places. Chicago probably still has. We don't have a ton of hole in the wall places. That's yeah. what makes LA great. Is is the hole in the wall, uh, privately owned kind of places that you can go get. You know, L.A. has amazing Mexican food and amazing hot dogs and different places. But you, you got to know a little hole in the wall. You know, everybody has their place. Vegas does. We have some of that. But it, I, I mean, more of your. Uh, like celebrity chef type higher end yeah. Michelin star type chef you know, stuff. I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah. There Miami's is. another good place. Miami has great food. But I've never been there. Dallas is good. Austin has actually very good food. I was actually really impressed with Dallas. Um, yeah. I was there not too long ago, and they had just the amount of food that – even some of the fast food places were awesome. Um, Did you hit a Whataburger? Do you have Whataburger where you're at, Mitch? Yeah. yeah. Are you a Whataburger fan? Um, 
not particularly. That's that's big. Was it because it's a Texas thing? You guys don't like Texas too much, right? No, it's just no. It's just you know. It's I don't know. I just I don't know. I don't eat that much fast food, to be honest with you. I don't. I don't either. I mean, I do, but I, I, we don't hit it very often. We just yeah. have here. Uh, Vegas is an In-N-Out Burger place. So yeah. if if you talk to Vegas people, you know, and then you get you get East Coast, they like that. What's what is it, Brian? Five Guys. Yeah, Five Guys. We've got those out here in California too. Yeah, we we have them, but Vegas is definitely an In-N-Out Burger place. But the Texas the Texas folks will say Whataburger is the best burger. I enjoy a Whataburger. Well, we have really, say. we have really gone down a rabbit hole. Yeah, we always <laughs> turn to food. We are wasting Mitch's time. No, never. Yeah, we should. I'm glad, I'm glad, we, I'm glad we did this. I was actually having kind of a rough day, and and I, I really enjoyed this. So we were glad to yeah. have you, sir. Yeah, we appreciate. Uh, yeah. I know Lindsay and I and Brian appreciate your time, and we appreciate your friendship. Uh, and your support of Ma Deuce and what you're doing with your family. It's um, as a father and as an American, uh, being a strong father figure, teaching your women how, or your women, your daughters how to be women. <laughs> <laughs> that came out really wrong, but teaching your daughters how to be, yeah. you know, independent, strong people with a loving father and how to, you know, I just appreciate everything about you. So I appreciate you coming on. Well, that's that's the one thing I I knew I wasn't ever going to screw up was was being a good dad. So that was that was pretty much my one goal in life. If I can do that, then then I've left something behind. So yeah, but it's been good. I, I've enjoyed it. Yeah, Appreciate it. Yeah, that's a great goal, and that's I I commend you for it. And I think more people need to need to have that mentality. So I think uh, yeah, lack of a solid father. And well, solid parents, you know, is causing a, a lot of problems, but that's probably a topic for another day. So again, like Ben said, yeah. you know, thank you so much for, for what you do. And we're glad we're great. Very grateful you came on. We hope, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, you're welcome back anytime. If there's anything we can do for you, our, our door is always open for you. So please uh, reach out if you ever need anything. We're, we're here for you. Uh, so I will sign off. I know we've kind of ran over time. We we're rambling about food, which now I'm kind of hungry. So maybe drive through in and out or something, but, um, so anyone <laughs> out there, please, uh, please go check out Mitch on his Instagram page, the Dodo brotherhood dads of daughters only. It's, uh, you'll see it on there. There's a, uh, nice, uh, Spartan helmet and a shield. So if you see that, please follow him. Awesome website. You can check out, uh, all of his adventures and his awesome family. So Mitch, thanks again. It was a real pleasure. Uh, I'll sign off for the night. So for Ben, this is Brian signing off for the, uh, nothing old podcast. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye everybody. <laughs>